You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. With massive rolling blackouts sweeping through the state of California in recent months, we're turning our attention to energy infrastructure and the idea of grid resilience here in Michigan. Back in October, we had a discussion on the show about the state of electrical grids in Michigan, and DTE Electric was not able to be part of that conversation. So now we have someone here from DTE joining us now. Trevor Lauer is COO and president of DTE. Trevor, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Stephen. Glad to be here. Yeah. So what can you tell us about the resiliency of DTE's electrical infrastructure here in Metro Detroit? Are we prepared? We are prepared. One of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is drills to make sure that when major things hit, we know exactly how to prepare for our customers. Secondly, we need to be transparent with where we are with our customers. We need to do a better job keeping the lights on for our customers, and we recognize that. We have one of the older electric grids in America. Detroit was one of the first cities that really electrified itself, and a lot of our infrastructure continues to get towards end of age. So we are investing and upgrading a lot of that infrastructure. But we have a massive electric system. It isn't something that we're going to get done overnight. We started this upgrade process back in 2015. We've worked very collaboratively with our Michigan Public Service Commission regulators to help them understand the investments we're making. So we're well on our way, but we keep we need to just keep going at it. Of course, it's not earthquakes and the kind of things that they face in California, but weather and climate here. Talk about how that might be changing the way that you're thinking about this. Yeah, we fundamentally believe at DTE that climate change is one of the uh, public policy issues of our age, and a company like DTE needs to be in the middle of that discussion. We're seeing stronger winds than we've ever seen. Uh, We're seeing stronger storms than we've ever seen, and we track weather data all the time. When you work at DTE, you become really good at understanding how the weather works and when the winds are going to blow. So recognizing that the weather trends are changing, we need to harden our system to a different standard than it was before. So harden stronger poles, stronger wire, different ways of trimming trees, all of the things like that. So we recognize that it's happening. Now the question is, what do we do about it? And I think we've got a great plan going forward. So, so give us a percentage here in terms of how far you think you are along the road to making the grid more resilient to the to the new weather that we're facing? There's three main things I believe we have to do uh, short term to be great at this. The first is trim trees. So we have about 37,000 miles of overhead uh, utility wires. About 55% of our system is overhead wires. We need to trim those trees and we need to trim them every five years. And we need to trim them in a way that's different than the way we used to trim them, Stephen. We need to Get the trees off of the overhead wires because that is the number one cause of outages. So how far along are we? We're about 51% of the way through our system with our new tree trim spec by the end of this year. Yeah, and you were going to talk about some of the other things. That yeah, the you second have to do. one is hardening the infrastructure. So think of hardening just like you'd think of uh, the difference between wood and concrete, right? Concrete's much more resilient than wood is. We need to harden a system. A lot of our infrastructure was built in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So you can't massively replace that all at once. But what I can do is go through and replace uh, utility poles that are uh, old and no longer structurally capable of handling the load that they have. Cross arms. So if you see the utility infrastructure, there are the arms on the top. Uh, we're doing a audit of all of the cross arms on our system right now and replacing all of those with fiberglass, much longer lifespan. 
uh, insulators, uh, the insulators that sit in the top, the wire. So we're going through and hardening a lot of our system right now. We've started with the city of Detroit in the inner suburbs because those are the ones that have the oldest electrical system uh, in our service territory. Uh, what about the idea of buried power lines? Yeah. I hear people talk about that as a possible solution. seems like that would be very expensive and time-consuming, but the payoff, I think, would be that that would last longer. You'd have to do it once and not have as many issues. Yeah, so undergrounding power lines is a wonderful solution. Everything that goes in in our system and has since the early 2000s is now gets now gets undergrounded. So we don't put lines overhead at this point. We underground everything. Anything you're you're building. Anything new. that's building new has been undergrounded since the early 2000s. And when you look, uh, if a residential customer wants to sign on and connect to our system, it's now mandated that all of those re- we call them service drops from the pool to the house. They all go underground now. Um, the issue is coming back and trying to take 38,000 miles of overhead lines and trying to underground it. If you've ever looked at the DTE electric utility pools, you'll notice there's a lot of wires in the middle of those pools. Those tend to be your communication companies, cable, phone, a whole series of other people that have infrastructure on our poles. So in a lot of cases where we have undergrounded, you'll still see those overhead poles because they haven't undergrounded their infrastructure. Um, it's... It's an opportunity for us to continue to consider. It is very, I'll leave the expense side apart, it's very disruptive to the environment. Um, We put six foot by six foot um, cables into the ground. Uh, So when you dig up giant holes down streets, it's a very disruptive process to try to underground the infrastructure. A couple other points on that. Uh, We talk about insulating power. Air is a much better insulator than the ground. So there's a natural loss of electricity when you transmit it. That's almost double when it's underground versus overhead. So it's more expensive for the huh. customers in terms of losses. But ultimately, it does result in less less outages. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Trevor Lauer. He is the COO and president of DTE Energy. Uh, I want to turn the subject just a little bit here to the uh, subject of renewable energy. It's reported that your carbon emissions are going to be cut by 80% by the year 2040, and much of that is going to come from less reliance on coal. What needs to happen in the next two decades to prepare for that phasing out? Yeah, well, we're really excited about uh, announcing our carbon reduction. We were the second company in America to voluntarily announce a carbon reduction. And approximately a month ago, we announced that our goal is to be 100% carbon free by 2050 as an electric utility. So what needs to happen? A couple things. Uh, One, we need to continue to build renewables. Uh, We're overwhelmingly in favor of renewable energy at DT, far and away the largest constructor of renewable energy in the state of Michigan and really one of the largest in the Midwest. So we need to keep doing that. You'll continue to see announcements of solar farms and wind farms and the actions we're taking there. Second, we need to continue to retire the coal-fired power plants. At the end of 2022, we will retire three of our remaining five coal-fired power plants. 2030, the, the next one, and then 2040 will be the last one. And then we need to lastly bring on technologies that allow us to bridge the difference between renewables and f- full-time power because the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. So the technology today for a 100% renewable environment doesn't exist. 
it will exist at some point, but we need to make sure that we have power for our customers 24-7 when they need it. Because what we know is reliable power is the most important thing to our customers. Uh, there's also an integrated resource plan that DTE has been mandated by the state to come up with. And there are some people who are critical of your plan saying that the data that's used in your IRP to potentially extend the use of natural gas. Can you address that criticism? Yeah. Every five years, utilities in the state of Michigan are required to file an integrated resource plan. I think what's most important is you look at actions, not words. If you look at the actions of DTE, uh, we were the first in the state to build a wind farm. We built the largest solar farm east of the Mississippi River. We continue to act on what we say we're going to do. We have one of the largest energy efficiency programs, one of the largest demand response programs to help our customers. We're moving very aggressively in terms of carbon reduction. Now, for all of the interveners or the other people that may be arguing with us in this process, we'll never move fast enough, Stephen. But what I think we have to stay focused on is, are we doing the right things for our customers? I believe we are. Do I believe that natural gas is an extremely uh, important bridge fuel while we go from coal-fired power plants to all renewables? I do. I think natural gas is one of the things that keeps the lights on. In fact, we know that if you look at California and other states around the country, uh, natural gas is a very important bridge fuel for us. Our new natural gas plant we're building in St. Clair County is the single largest carbon reduction strategy that's been undertaken inside of the state of Michigan. So while not everybody will agree with me, I'm really proud of what uh, the team at DTE is doing. I'm talking with Trevor Lauer, the COO and president of DTE Energy. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit Today. I want to shift the subject again and talk some about shutoffs, which is an issue that we deal with a lot, of course, here in the city of Detroit with the deep poverty that we have. And I, of course, understand that there's always a tension between the cost of generating and distributing power and the need for people to pay for that, even if they are low income. Can you address, though, the criticisms that DTE is too fast to shut people off and too punitive when customers fall behind? Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's come back to the cost issue, Stephen, and let's talk about shutoffs straight off. So what I believe and what we believe at DTE is the, the best thing we can do is to get in front of this shutoff issue for a customer and notify them when they start to get behind. Once customers receive a bill and they're now 60, 90 days behind, they will never dig out of that, that, that process. So we think the best thing we can do to treat them in the most uh, upstanding way and to treat them like we would treat any other customer is to let them know at day 35, day 45, that they've fallen behind on their bill and try to intervene at that point. Because when we try to intervene up front, then we have an opportunity to make a difference. We've instituted a whole series of different types of programs at DTE to make sure customers have uh, utility services. One is our low-income self-sufficiency plan that we have advocated at the state and with the Michigan Public Service Commission and it's where we set a fixed budget for customers for up to 24 months so that they can pay a fixed budget and they can work through that system and then become self-sufficient at the end of that 24 months. We're the largest funder of Thaw, the United Way, and others that provide energy assistance to uh, customers across our service territory. Saying all of that, we need to continue to do more. Shutting customers off is the 
it's the hardest thing I think we do in our business because some customers really do struggle. On the other hand, I will tell you that we have a handful of customers that choose not to pay their utility bills and do have the wherewithal and the means to pay their utility bills. So the issue that you're raising with shutoffs and low-income customers, that's very real for a very small percentage of our customers. We need to work with the federal government, the state government, the regulators, all the local assistance agencies to make that better and to do it in the most humane way that we can possibly do it. So if somebody gets their power shut off from DTE because they're behind, they not only owe what they hadn't paid before, but you assess a fee that is based on, I believe, two months of what their average bill would be in order to get back on. If you're a poor person, you fell behind because you didn't have the money to pay the bill, how would you ever come up with another two months of cost to, to, to get the power back on? I mean, it, it, there's this sort of self-feeding cycle, I think, of poverty that, that affects a lot of folks where you just can't dig out. And a policy like that seems to bury people a little deeper. Well, you know what, Stephen, let's take this one on heads on. So what you're talking about is a security deposit. Um, so really, security deposits show up in two ways. When we can verify a low-income customer that's been on our system that's been shut off, we waive the security deposits 99% of the time for those customers so that we can get them back on. Where we do not waive it is in cases of theft and name switching. So what we have is a lot of addresses where people come in, they sign up for our service, they don't pay a bill for four months, they get turned off. That same address, it's now uh, Trevor Lauer's mother is showing up, and now she wants service in her name. Uh, We would connect them four months later, they would default on four months' worth of bills. That is where we do not waive service deposits. So um, theft is an issue. Again, it's something that we need to help customers with so they don't feel like they need to steal product. Um, But I really separate those two areas. Security deposits, uh, where applicable, I think are a really good tool. uh, And I think it's a good tool for most customers. I think it's a good tool to defer theft. Uh, On the other hand, where we can verify a customer that's struggled, we do everything we can to try to get them on. We do low-income poverty situations and simulations to try to help all the employees DTE to understand what some of our customers are dealing with. So it's what you're raising is a very difficult issue, but it's not something we take lightly at all. What's the long-term solution for that? We're always going to have people who don't make enough income to, to afford all of the things that they need. In a city like Detroit, of course, that number seems to grow instead of shrink. Is there another approach that would ensure people had power, which is a pretty necessary, you know, a necessary thing without this, this fear of losing it. Right. So there's a couple things I'd say long-term, I think, that make a lot of sense. Uh, first is for DTE to maintain as low a cost for our service as possible. Secondly, I think we need to work with the federal and state government to understand the right policies for low-income customers and how do you fund LIHEAP and some of these other programs that bring dollars into the state out of the federal budget and the state budgets to fund that. And then third, it's, is the housing stock that these low-income customers are in uh, the most energy-efficient housing stock that they can be in? There's some very, um, there's some very high-energy cost rental homes inside of the state of Michigan, and particularly in the, in the city of Detroit, that we find our lowest-income customers are renting, and that's where you get really high utility bills. So helping them understand 
how you use energy efficiency programs to insulate the home, to change out windows. That's another tool that we use in our toolkit to try to focus those dollars on our low-income customers. I wonder if you can talk about the criticism that you sometimes get about rates, that people are just paying too much for electricity in Southeast Michigan, and that drives shutoffs and other problems that low-income folks face. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So we're proud of the uh, the bill amount we have. So there's two different ways to think about your electric uh, spend. I would challenge many people to find anybody that could tell me what their electric rate is. But Stephen, if I ask you what your electric bill last month was, you could probably tell me what your electric bill was last right. month. DTE Electric's bill amount ranks in the second quartile nationwide. We're 11% below the average in the United States. We do really well. On a rate perspective, we do not show up as well because the consumption of electricity in Michigan is really low relative to other states. So rate- why is that true? uh, Because we use so much low-cost natural gas here in the state of Michigan. In a lot of states, you only have to go to Indiana where natural gas isn't even used to heat homes where they heat homes with all electricity. So rate is a function of volume or the total consumption. So when I hear very smart people who've been involved in this discussion criticizing us on rate, it's a clever way, but it's not true. We have 2.2 million customers. We're blessed to have 2.2 million customers at DTE Electric. There's about 5,000 that rate really matters for. The rest look at their bill amount, and we focus on those bill amounts very carefully to manage those relative to other utilities in the country. So so would you say that, on average, our bills are at the same rate or lower than what other customers are paying around the country? Yeah, our average bills are 11% less than the average in the United States right now. Our average bill at the electric company is $103. The average bill for somebody's cell phone is $80. Um, I think we're doing well. We need to continue to stay focused on it. It's uh, Bill amount is something we spend a lot of time talking about, uh, but $103 for all of the convenience of life that we provide, I'm pretty proud of where we're at right now. Okay. Trevor Lauer, COO and President of DTE Energy. It was really great to have you here. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thank you. That's going to do it for us today. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.